Bless you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You made a way. Hallelujah. Somebody has a testimony about how the Lord has made a way. Literally, your back was against the wall. And it looked like it was over. But you had the testimony that that was a ram in the bush. And that God made a way out of no way. Somebody can be able to talk about when you didn't know where your help was going to come from. But that you looked towards the hills and God made a way. Good morning once again and welcome to the Hopewell Experience. Hope at home, hope well everywhere. We're so glad um, that you have tuned in this morning. So go ahead, if you have not already, go ahead and share this. Go ahead and like it. Go ahead and tag somebody else in it so they can be blessed by the word of the Lord today. I hope and pray that you've already been blessed by our worship experience. Help me praise God for our dynamic worship team. Amen. Our musicians, our media team, I thank God for them. Amen. It's been 11 months since we've been rolling together as a team. Amen. And as the old saints would say, we've been running for Jesus a long time and we're not tired yet. Amen. A little vacation would be nice. Amen. But we're not tired yet. Amen. We're not tired yet. Listen, we're getting ready to start a new series today entitled, um, The Fight Continues. The Fight Continues continues and I want you to go with me to the book of Exodus chapter 2 Exodus chapter 2 Exodus uh, chapter 2 as I shared with you last week that um, I'm going the next few months the next few weeks you're going to hear me preach and teach out our vision um, here for the well which is the year that we shift uh, meaning that we want to be socially aware of issues in our community in our city in our region we want to be able to have a heart for small groups we want we desire to impact our community through outreach we want to be fervent in prayer and we want to teach and train our children and youth amen this is the year um, that we shift. Amen. Put that in the comment section. Shift. Make sure you add that F. Amen. The year that we shift. Exodus chapter 2. <laughs> they laughing at me. Exodus chapter 2. Just two verses. Verses 11 and 12. But yeah, 11 and 12. And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible. And I'm going to reference um, the King James Version. It says this, many years later when, when Moses had grown up, he had went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all the directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand, hid the body in the sand. I want to use for a title this morning as we begin this new series, The Fight Continues. I want to use this title, Somebody Has to Care. Somebody Has to Care. God, we thank you right now for your word. Um, thank you, Father God, that your word um, is the key that unlocks the shackles in our lives and our minds. Your word brings freedom. Your word brings clarity. And I pray, oh God, as we go into your word today, that we are open to see what you have to say to us. And to also to receive the instructions on the part that we play, God. You don't want to do this thing without us. You desire our active participation as we walk out your word in obedience to your instructions. So I pray, oh God, that we 
will leave this worship gathering today encouraged and ready to take action. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray and all of God's people said, amen. Somebody has to care. It was in early March of 1965 uh, that a group of people, 600 people to be exact, marched from Selma, Montgomery, marched from Selma, Alabama, excuse me, to Montgomery, Alabama. They were, they were marching and, and, and raising their voices for the fight for blacks to be able to vote. As they made it to the Edmund Pettus Bridge, a violent assault from police officers armed with platoons and pepper sprays and guns attacked the marchers on the bridge. That Sunday goes down in history as Bloody Sunday. Soon after attack, Dr. King still wanted to be able to press forward and continue to do what their hearts desired to do. He invited clergy from all over the world to journey with him to continue to march. Hundreds of clergy from across the country heeded the call and traveled to Selma, Alabama. One of those individuals was the Reverend James Reed, all the way from Boston, a minister that believed in the cause, a minister that used his sphere of influence and privilege to be able to bring about a change when it came to blacks. March 9th, Dr. King led 2,500 marchers until the, until the, the, the Atmos Pettus Bridge for a short prayer session. During that time, before they made their march, because of the act of Reverend James Reeb, him along with three other white ministers were attacked and beaten by a group of white men who opposed the civil rights work. Reverend Reeb knew uh, that because of his associations with African Americans and, his, and, his, and using his voice to be able to bring about a change, he knew that the chances of him going to an all-white hospital uh, wasn't too good. So they took the time and went the distance to drive him to an all-black hospital where he didn't make it. He died because of injuries. He had a severe fracture to the skull and a major brain damage. Reverend Reed was only 38 years old. And he left behind a wife and four children. We need more men and women like Reverend James Reed. Again, who will use their spirit, their spirit of influence and privilege and use their voice to help bring about a change to be able to speak on behalf of those who are sometimes muted and can't speak to help bring about some change, to help bring about some justice to the injustices that we see. Now, I, I, I'm not naive to the fact that there are some white brothers and sisters who will join the fight, who will get involved, that will speak up when things are not right, that will speak up when things are done wrong, that will use their sphere of influence and their, and their privilege to be able to bring about a change. I realize there are, some, there are some pastors, there are some white pastors, men and women, who will stand and say certain things and preach on things of this nature and will be treated horribly by their staff, mm -hmm. by their church. Sometimes even putting themselves in the place of losing their job, all for speaking up for another race. 
We need more people like the Reverend James Reed who was willing to sacrifice his life in order for another group of people to be able to have the same rights that he had. Pastor, where are you going with all of this? Somebody has to care. There has to be somebody that will stand up and to speak against the injustices that we see within our world. Yes, 2020 was filled with the welcoming of, the, of COVID-19, but there has been some other things that have transpired within 2020 that have really taken the coverage off and made sure that we realize that racism still exists. Injustices are still here. They just, you know what? They're just covered up and made up in different forms, but yet they're still here. What does the Bible have to say about that, Pastor? What does the Bible have to say about injustices? What does the Bible have to say about racism? What does the Bible have to say about the unequal opportunities that we have right here in the land of the free, the home of the brave? I believe in our text today, it has a lot to be able to encourage us, a lot to be able to call us to action on some things that you and I need to do. I know that we're in 2021. I know that we are in the 21st century, but there is still, there is still a need for the prophetic voice from the church, the black church, to be able to stand and to speak against the things that we see and experience as a people. Mm-hmm. Here it is in Exodus chapter 2, you all know this story. You heard the story growing up in church, going through Sunday school one-on-one. Here it is. It brings in the birth of Moses. Here it is. Pharaoh has already put out a decree that any male child, he told the midwives, if there is any male child that is born, you are to put them to death immediately right there on the right there on the job, right there on the spot. Don't wait any longer. You do it right then. The midwives took heed to what was going on. It, it, Pharaoh realized, they realized that the more pressure they began to put upon the Egyptians, the more they began to grow, the more they began to multiply, the more they became stronger. And Pharaoh and his men became intimidated by this and they said wait a minute wait a minute we got to do something we have to do something we got to do something because we're afraid that if they continue to multiply if they continue to get stronger they will get strong enough to a point where they can be able to rise up against us and we become their enemy so we have to do something in order to be able to contain them we have to do something in order to bring them in order to bring them other subjection so that they will not grow so what did they decide to do again he put out the decree Stating any male child born, take him out on the spot. Because he realized if we can take out the seed of the man, if we can be able to take out the male child, we can be able to stop another generation from producing. Mm-hmm. There was two midwives, the Bible says, that reverence God more than he reverenced Pharaoh. God always has a ram in the bush. God always has somebody that's going to be able to stand and to stand for what is right and do what God says to be able to do. So there was two midwives that when when Moses' mother was in labor, when she was in labor, when she was in labor, they did not do what Pharaoh said. They went and told him because he found out that another male child had slipped through and he went to the midwives and he said, wait a minute now, I gave you all strict instructions on what I needed you to do and their reply was well you know these Hebrew women they are vigorous and when they give birth it's so quick by the time we get there to deliver the baby the baby is already here he said all right I'll take that I'll take that I'll take that I'll take it I'll go ahead and I'll go with it 
And so Moses' mother knew, she knew when this happened, she gave both birth to this child. She knew that there was a threat over his life because of what he represented. And so what she did was she put him on a body of water on the Nile River. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh's daughter picked him up, saw the baby on the Nile River. She went and grabbed him, picked him up. She heard the baby cry. She took him into the house and she raised him as if he was her own. Born a Hebrew, but raised an Egyptian, which allowed him to be able to receive the best of the best of the education. He was able to learn the tricks of the trade. He was able to learn the life of an Egyptian to be able to go from water to living in the big house. Oh, Moses had made it, y'all. He had made it. And over time, as he had grew, as he had matured, the Bible says right here in verse 11, that when he came outside one day, I like what the King James Version says. The King James Version says this. It says, and it came to pass, and it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. Underline that in your Bible. Highlight that on your app. And he looked on their their burdens, and he spied on the Egyptian, smiting and Hebrew, one of his brethren. And what did Moses do? New Living Translation said that Moses looked around. And he went after the Egyptian that was messing with one of his Hebrew brothers, and he took his life. Now, Pastor, wait a minute now, Reverend. Wait a minute, Reverend. What are you saying? You saying that when we stand to care, that when we stand to use our voice to be able to bring about change against the things that we see in our world, that's not right. Are you giving me the authorization to take somebody's life? Absolutely not. Please, man, please, sir, know that I am not encouraging you to take anybody's life. We don't have time for you to go to jail because we can't use benevolence to be able to take you out. So I'm not telling you to go and take anybody's life at all. Please, ma'am, please, sir. I'm saying this over and over again because I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. I want us to be able to see this text, not just from the act that Moses did as far as murdering, but I want us to see the care that Moses had. I want us to see the call to action that Moses had. Moses, growing up in growing up in Pharaoh's house, he had the best of the best of life. But when he began to grow up and become grown into a full man, he understood that he was a part of the Hebrews. He uh, he understood that he was an Israelite. And when he came out and he saw that someone that was like him uh-huh. was being hurt, uh-huh. being mistreated, life was on the line. There was something within him that triggered an action that he needed to take. Now, again, I'm not telling you to take anybody's life, but I am calling us to be able to move to action. It's not just enough for us to be able to hide under the blanket of prayer and say that we are going to pray. Yes, prayer is the great starting point, but it's not the finish line that even in prayer, Nehemiah helps us to be able to realize that even in us praying about something that we see that's not right, that sometimes you and I can be the answer to our own prayers that will cause us to be moved to action to be able to do something. When you and I See injustices. It should lead us to three things. 
Here it is. The first thing is this. When we see injustices, when we see things that are not done right, when we see that there, when we, when we, when we see there's impartiality against a particular group of people, when we see that there's unfair treatment, then you and I should get to a point where we have righteous anger. Pastor, what do you mean by righteous anger? That we, that what bothers God bothers us. That what angers God angers us. That we become upset righteously because of the things that we see that are not right. When we see children that are abused in homes, when we see children that are talked down by their parents, when we see children, we have to, when we see how children are being treated by others, something within us should become angry because here it is, thanks to God. I know somebody said, Pastor, I'm so glad you said that because I've been ready to snap off for a while. Now hold it. I'm not giving you clearance to smile. I'm not giving you clearance to snap off. I'm giving us clearance to have righteous anger. Within pastor, what's the difference between righteous anger and regular anger? Righteous anger always has something to do with somebody else. It's not centered around us. It's not just about us and we're fighting because somebody done ticked us off and they took our parking spot that was right there at the door by Walmart. No, 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 no. Righteous anger is when we become upset and furious at the fact that there are still unequal treatment for women in our world today. Right. That we get upset and we get mad that women sometimes in the church is still considered as a second class citizen. That we get mad and we get upset that even in 2021 there are still people with similar checks and everything else that are still hungry. That we get upset about the violence and the things that we see in our community. We get upset. When we see unfair treatment of our children in school because Jamal may... It's a little bit hyper, but the teachers in the IEP meetings are calling for Jamal to have a little medicine. But Peter, oh, he's just a happy kid. We should be upset, and here it is, saints of God, when we are angry, when we, when we have righteous anger, our righteous anger should not just stay right there because if we let that anger sit too long, oh man, something is really going to pop off then, but we want our anger, to, we want our righteous anger, then what, Pastor, to turn to empathy, Okay. or we put ourselves in somebody else's shoes. That's what Moses did when he saw that Hebrew getting beat up, he saw himself. When he saw that Hebrew being abused, he realized this is someone that's connected to me. And it triggered him to be, it triggered him to care. Saints of God, please hear me when I say this. It's not just enough for us to be angry about a thing, but we need to have, we need to have empathy to get to a place that we can be able to step into somebody else's shoes to see and to experience what they're seeing and what they're experiencing. That's what Moses did. He was able to connect himself. He was able to attach himself. And that's what we're saying to our white brothers and sisters as the fight continues on. That we need you like Moses to empathize with us. Don't just have sympathy on us, but empathize with us and see through the, to see through the lenses from our perspective of life as an African-American in 2021. 
Walk in our shoes for a moment so that you can be able to understand that why as a black man, when I see the police, everything changes, the radio goes off, everything stops. See for a moment through our lives what it's like when we walk into a store and you're asking if we need help, but you're not really asking if we need help. You're really trying to, f trying to figure out what we're doing and monitor our steps. Walk in our shoes for just a week, for a day, and be able to live the life that we live. Empathize with us. Moses was able to have righteous anger, and his anger led him to empathy. But here it is, the third thing. His empathy led him to action. Once again, we can no longer hide under the blanket of prayer. Here it is, church. I'm challenging us as a church that we have to be angry. We have to have empathy, but that we also must take action. It's it's not just good enough for us to be able to come to church and have a good old time. Yes, I miss us coming together. I can't wait till we're all back together in in-person worship. Yes, when we get together, all oh, what a time that we should have. But our coming together should not just end in shouting and having a good time. Once we've heard the good news of Jesus Christ, we ought to take what we have heard and do something with it and help bring about change right where we live. Moses took action. He did something about what was going on. And that's the call for you and I today. Oh, man, when we see things going on, we ought to be making some phone calls. We, we ought to be praying. We ought to be texting. We ought to be calling, trying to see who do we need to connect with, who do we need to partner with, who do we need to collaborate with to be able to bring about a change, to help bring about some justice, to help bring about a difference within the place and the world that we live. Because if we don't, then what are we really doing? If we as a church don't speak up, don't raise our voice, then what are we really doing? What are we really doing? What are we, are we just wasting our time gathering together virtually? Are we just wasting our time having prayer meetings? Or are we praying, God, change me so that we can be change agents right where we live? God, empower me so that I can be a voice for the voices. God, empower me so that I can be able to go and sit at different tables and speak up on behalf of those don't have a voice for themselves. Why? Because somebody has to care. Somebody has to be concerned about the things that are going on. Somebody has to care. Somebody needs to be angry. Someone needs to show empathy. And somebody needs to take action. And sometimes even willing to sacrifice your comfort to bring about that action. To help bring about that change. To help bring about that difference. Because once again, if we don't, what are we really doing? What are we really doing? The word of God is challenging us. That we have a right to be righteously angered. To show empathy. But also to take action. And to bring about change. 
How are we using our sphere of influence, our circles, who we're connected to, to help make where we live a better place? Are we only using our influence just to benefit us? Or are we looking to use our influence to benefit the least of these? Reverend James Reed probably had no idea when he left Boston to go to, Ala, to go to Alabama that that would be the last time he saw his wife and kids. But I believe he had the same sentiments as Moses. Somebody has to care. Somebody has to say something. Somebody has to do something. And if that means I have to risk my life, then that's what I'm willing to do. I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to say, Lord, help me not to selfishly use my sphere of influence just for me, but also for others. Grant me wisdom. Grant me discernment. And grant me courage. It all starts with prayer, but it shouldn't end with prayer. It all starts with prayer, but it shouldn't stop with prayer. God, help me not to use my influence just for me, just to benefit me, but help me use my, in, my influence to be able to benefit somebody else. And then once I'm unselfish with my influence, God, give me the wisdom that I need. Give me the discernment that I need, and then give me the courage to be able to act and then to move and do what needs to be done. We can look around at all the different big cities that we've seen injustices take place. We can look around all the big cities and see the changes that need to take place. We don't have to look no farther than where we are right here. In Southern Illinois, in Carbondale, Illinois. Oh, that's just a college town. It's a college town that has some things going on that shouldn't be going on. And it's time for us as the church to speak up. Not wait for an invitation to be invited to the table. That we get us a chair at the fellowship hall and we pull up with our own table. Pull up with our own chair. Invite ourselves into the, into the conversation. So pastor, what action can I take? What move can I take? What move can I make to be able to use my sphere of influence to help bring about change? to show that I care. So glad you asked that question. As I told you with our theme for the year shift, that we want to become more socially aware of the issues in our community, in our city, and in our region. We're starting a social justice ministry, social justice team. We're simply, this is all we're doing, y'all. We're making sure that we are getting involved in particular conversations to make sure that there's a, that they, that, to make sure that our voices are being heard, to make sure that we are gaining necessary information so then we can be able to come back to empower our members on and to empower our members with the information about what's going on within our community so that we can be a part of making a difference. Right. Here it is. I'm looking for individuals because of everything being shut down and a lot of things are not open to the public. I'm looking for members who will willingly take their phone, their iPad, their tablet, 
and tune in to a city council meeting and see what's going on with our city. Tune in to a school board meeting for the high school and see what's going on in the high school. Tune in to the elementary school board meeting and see what's going on with an elementary school. Tune in to the Jackson County Board Commission meetings to see what's going on. To be a part of the different commissions that we have within the city of Carbondale to see what is going on so that we can be able to have the necessary information to be able to distribute to our members to see what partnerships, to see what initiatives, to see what we need to do, what, what stance do we need to take, what voice do we need to have mm -hmm. to help bring about change and equal opportunities for our people. I believe this, y'all. If we don't have a seat at the table, we can't expect to be heard. And I'm not saying that we got to come in angry and, and flipping over tables and, and, and ready to take folks out. No, that we come, that we pull, up, we, 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 we pull up to the table and we make it known that we have representation and the right representation that is there. I told you all a few weeks ago, school board elections get ready to happen in April, high school and elementary school. I know we're probably tired of voting. We did all that voting back in November. But local votes matter just as much as the national votes. Amen. City council. All of these things that by no means will I use the pulpit to tell you who to vote for. But I do have the responsibility to be able to inform you and to give you the necessary information so that you can be able to make the right decision on who to vote for. Oh, well, Pastor, how does God get glory out of this? God gets glory out of this when we move to the place to make sure that everybody that was made in his likeness and in his image mm -hmm. are treated with the same proper respect and given the same, presented with the same opportunities mm -hmm. to be able to make it. If you're interested in being a part of this, of our social justice team, social justice ministry, I like using the word team. Email me at pastorswims at hopewellmb.org. I'll get you. I'll show you where to get the links. I'll show you where to get the information. So then, then you can be able to come back and share information that we can be able to empower our membership with the things that they need to know. Just because it's 2021 doesn't mean the fight has stopped. Just because it's not 1965 it doesn't mean that the fight has stopped. The fight still continues. And God is looking for you and I as the 21st century sons of Issachar to rise and to have that prophetic supernatural insight to be able to navigate and to be able to move. Pastor, you sound more like a politician today. No, not really. It's all Bible. It's a call to action for us, not just to have church, but for you and I to be the church and to be involved in the community and in the city that we live. It's a call to action for us, challenging us to come up, to rise up with boldness and with courage to take a stand 
and to help bring some difference right where we live, to make a difference right where we live. Because somebody has to care, and why not let that somebody be us? That we move from righteous anger to empathy to action to bring about change right where we live. Pastor, I don't know about all of that. Let me tell you something. God will give you the courage. And God will give you the boldness to act on his behalf. And to speak on behalf of those that have no voice or have no seat at the table. I like what Pastor Darius, Darius Daniel says that all work is God work. It's just about how you see it. God work isn't just limited to what you see here today. But God work is in everything that we do. Because everything has the potential to bring him glory and to bring him honor.